Bank merchant Andy Dufresne is convicted of the murder of his wife and her lover and sentenced to life in Shawshank Penitentiary. Andy befriends an inmate named Red, and over time, Andy finds a way to live out life in prison, teaching himself and others that while a body may be locked up, the spirit can never be imprisoned. I was 12 when I saw this movie, and I've now watched it a million times on TNT. I've now watched it one more time with my teenage daughter. This is PG-13, and today we'll be discussing The Shawshank Redemption. Hello, and welcome back to the PG-13 podcast. I'm Monica Robbins. I'm Gracie Sanderson. And um, I just want to start out the pod today um, by, again, thanking the listeners for coming back and listening. Hello. We um, are thankful to you to um, always be catching up with us on the podcast. Yes. We really hope that you enjoyed summer school last week. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't had a chance to um, listen to some of the others, we have done like Empire Records, Never Been Kissed. Um, There's been Say Anything. Right. Hard Day's Night. There's been um, the Tom. Hanks movie. Castaway. Castaway. Right. So um, if you have a moment to check those out, please do that as well. And while you're there, you can also um, rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. So please do all of those things while you're there and let us know what you think of the podcast. You can also... um, Follow us on social media at PG13 underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Right. And we would love for you to interact with us there. Um, If you have any like comments or feedback, or if you want to share with us, maybe who you might've put in the movie, um, that would be awesome. We love to hear what you have to say. Or maybe if you just have questions, like you could be like, Hey, what does this mean? Or, you know. Or what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on this? What do you think the symbolism is? Yeah. Or like the obsidian rock in the Shawshank Redemption. Who knows? Who knows? Let's talk about it. <laughs> so um, definitely hit us up on the social media along with listening to the podcast. Yes. Um, I also wanted to just give a shout out. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had put out on social media on like my Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter to see if anyone could help with our logo, like our uh, title card. Because I just wanted to kind of make it a higher resolution so we could post it more places and um, just a little bit like – polished and we got a lot of good suggestions and feedback um, from listeners. So um, thank you to those who responded. And I just wanted to also give a special shout out to um, Jen Rausch, who made us a really awesome logo. And then um, also to Allison Hauser, who made us several uh, awesome logos, kind of refined ours, and then gave us some other options that we'll definitely be using in the future. So I just wanted to say thank you to those people who are helping us kind of get this podcast off the ground. 
Yes. So thank you so much for that. Um, so with that, let's start talking about the awesome, wonderful movie that is the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> so um, we're just going to, I guess, go right into background. Yes. Yeah. And I am doing the background this week. Mm-hmm. And again, super glad that I'm doing the background this week. I love, <laughs> again, I love this movie. I remember um, just before we get started, um, I remember the first time I saw this movie. Um, it was a movie that didn't really do that well in the movie theater. Yeah. Um, and it didn't, like, it, it was basically considered like a flop. But then after it left the movie theater, it got nominated for Oscars. And my family is huge on Oscars. Like, right. We have a whole like night where there's like a party and it's just really us. Yeah. Like it's a family party and we have like hors d'oeuvres and ballots and the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, we were like, well, we have to watch this Shawshank Redemption movie Mm -hmm. because we got to know how we feel about it before we do anything. So, um, we threw this in and we were like in the middle of the movie going like how, one, how long is this movie? <laughs> Cause it was a slow burn. It was, but by the end it was like, that was the best movie I've ever watched. <laughs> and um, I think that a lot of people had the same reaction to this movie. Like it didn't, they actually brought it back into theaters. They did. Yeah. After it got nominated for the Oscar and more people were able to see it then, but still, still considered a flop. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of like was my first experience of the movie. And I, again, I've seen it a million times since then because it's yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but despite being considered one of the greatest movies of all time and being nominated for seven Oscars, it didn't win a single Oscar award. Oh my God. Yeah. That's sad. I know. So it's on like all these like, um, 100 best movies, like 50 best movies, like the 20 movies you have to see before you die. Like it's like the Shawshank Redemption is on there, but it is not considered an academy award-winning film yeah so i thought that that was really interesting yeah especially like it's sad because like it's beautifully directed yeah it's wonderfully acted Mm -hmm. like i mean i think tim robbins and um morgan freeman definitely deserve something yeah for this movie Mm -hmm. but i guess what they get out of it is our love and affection of this movie forever and always (laughs) so always and forever yeah, always and forever. Um, the next thing I found interesting was that this is actually a Stephen King story. Like Stephen King wrote this this story called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, and Stephen King's usually known for kind of like his scary or like otherworldly kind of stories. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So it was surprising to me that like Stephen King wrote this story Mm -hmm. and it was so like kind of like down to earth. It was a short story. Um, and it was in the book, um, called different seasons, which also included other stories that were made into movies such as apt pupil, which I think was made in 1998 and the body, which is also known as stand by me. (gasps) Yeah, and I know, and you know, that we love 
the movie Stand By Me. Yeah. Like, we've watched that together already. Mm-hmm. And we love and appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Yes. So, um, I thought that that was kind of cool that this story was included in that book as well. Yeah. So, what a book it is, I guess. I'll have to check it out. Um, Stephen King also sold the rights to Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption for $5,000 out of his friendship with the director, Frank Darabont. Yeah. So usually probably Stephen King makes thousands, if not millions of dollars selling his stories for movies. But um, I guess because he and Frank Darabont had such a great friendship, he was like, give me 5,000 for it and you can do that. Yeah. Um, You can make this movie. But um, it turns out, too, that Stephen King actually never cashed the check. Yeah. And instead, he framed the check and sent it back to Frank Darabont so he could put it, like, up on his wall. (laughs) So, really, like, Stephen King didn't get a lot of money for for selling this movie to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he has now in some sort of fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, Stephen King is a made of millions anyway. Yeah. But um, I hear that he actually has a thing where if a, an upcoming filmmaker wants to make a movie out of one of his stories, he'll sell it to them for like a dollar just to kind of help them get their foot in the door. Oh, that's cool. I know. Right. Who knew Stephen King, <laughs> you know, where are you coming from? Yeah. Bud? Put that on a shirt. Who <laughs> Stephen King. Um, so, I also thought it was interesting that they had to take the name Rita Hayworth out of the title of the movie because they were going to call it Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. But um, too many people in Hollywood were mistaking it as like a movie about Rita Hayworth's life. Um, it's like agents were calling Frank Darabont and saying like, I want to have this actress like audition for the Rita Hayworth role. And he was like, no, that's not what this movie is about. Yeah. Um, so they decided us to not confuse any more people to just call it the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Why did they so, put Rita Hayworth in the name? I think because, like we saw in the movie, um, that's the first poster that he puts out. Oh, okay. You know, so she's yeah. kind of like the girl, in quotes, that gets it started for him to be able to escape from the prison right yeah spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie but (laughs) if you're listening to this you probably have yeah um so i think that's that's why Mm -hmm. it's because she was like kind of like the one that was covering it up yeah at first Mm -hmm. so um and i guess we'd have to read this short story yeah to 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 really know for sure if if that's why they called it in the book Mm -hmm. because we know that in the movie he kind of switches up the posters as like years go by yeah yeah um, also another fun fact, um, Jeff Bridges, Tom Hanks, Kevin Costner, Tom Cruise, Matthew Broderick, Nicolas Cage, Johnny Depp, and Charlie Sheen, all of those people <laughs> were all considered for the part of Andy Dufresne. Oh. And it sounds like Tom Hanks liked it, but couldn't do it because he was making Forrest Gump. Yeah. And he actually ends up. I think Frank Darabont's next movie is The Green Mile. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks ends up doing that one, oh, okay. which is also in the movie box. Um, 
And then Kevin Costner liked it, but he was making a movie called Waterworld, which I guess big mistake for him because Waterworld was like an epic failure. Yeah. So I guess choices, you know, mm-hmm. choices were made. <laughs> um, another casting fun fact is Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Paul Newman, Gene Hackman were all considered for the part of Red in the book because Red in the book, um, oh, sorry, Red in the movie, because Red in the book is actually a middle-aged white Irishman. Oh, okay. But Frank Darabont changed it because he wanted Morgan Freeman as the part. And this is why in the movie, when Andy asks, why do they call you Red? He says... Maybe it's because I'm Irish. Oh. Because it okay. was like kind of a joke and a callback to the book. Oh, okay. So that's why that was like funny to him. Oh, and that's why it's funny, it. I guess, to people who've read both the story and, and have seen the movie. Mm-hmm. So um, another casting fun fact. I have a couple of these. God. Um, Sidney Potier, who we love and adore, who has left us recently. Um, turned down the role as Red because he didn't feel that playing a convict would have provided a good example. Interesting. Yeah. Academy Award winner, Sidney Poitier, (laughs) was like, no, thank you. So See you later. I thought that was interesting. Do I want to do this movie? Absolutely not. Yeah. And knowing, like, the kind of movies that Sidney Poitier did, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and also the role of Tommy was intended for Brad Pitt, but he turned it down to be in the movie Interview with the Vampire, which is also an excellent film. (laughs) So that's not quite in the movie box yet, because I believe that's a little bit above our age range. God, I mean, the Shawshank Redemption was pushing it. (laughs) Um, but, uh, we'll have to save that for a later time, even though I'm pretty sure I watched it when I was your age too. Okay. Um, you know, Brad Pitt was like a shooting star and I guess mm-hmm. the role of Tommy would have just been a little too small for his liking, which yeah. is fine. It's fine. Worked out fine for him. Um, so about the movie itself, um, the mug shots of a young looking red during his parole hearing were actually pictures of his son, Alfonso. Oh, and he also makes a cameo in the movie as a prisoner yelling at the fresh fish at the beginning. Oh. And I think I saw him because I was like, that looks like the guy in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and although it is never stated in the film, Brooks, who we come to love in the door, yeah. actually is in prison for allegedly murdering his wife and child after losing a poker game. Okay. Yeah. So they never to say that in the movie why he's in there, but that's been why he's there. Yeah. Yeah. They ever they never say why Red is in there too. They don't. And I read again in like some of the facts that I found that in the book, Red was in jail because he murdered his wife and I guess a neighbor. Oh. Yeah, but the neighbor was, like, accidental. Okay. Like, just, like, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Um, But I heard that they changed it for the movie to be more of, like, just a petty theft. Yeah. Um, 
and he was just in there for a long time because the prison system is unfair sometimes. Okay. So, um, that's, was that for red. Um, also, um, like I said before, I've seen this movie on TNT like a million times. Yeah. Like it's like any given moment, you could probably turn to that station and it's showing the Shawshank Redemption. Um, and I always thought it was because like everybody loves the Shawshank Redemption. So who wouldn't ever just like want to watch it at any time? Yeah. Um, but what it is, is that after the film gained popularity, Ted Turner, who owns TNT, actually sold the right to the TNT company for much lower than normal than other big films. Yeah. So because it was so inexpensive, it's inexpensive to show it on TV. Mm-hmm. So it's like they don't have to pay so much like licensing fees and things like that. Yeah. So they show it all the time just because it's a cheap movie to show all the time. Okay. So it's so funny to me that like this movie is so like well regarded. But like financially definitely not like given its due. Yeah. On all sorts of levels. Mm-hmm. So that's just some of the things I found about yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um there was a lot of background. Like okay. I was seriously sitting there for days, like scrolling through all of this additional information. Yeah. Um, so but I just wanted to kind of keep it a little bit light. Mm-hmm. Um just so we can talk about the movie itself a little bit more. Okay. Um, but if you're any interested in any more background, you can definitely find that like on um, some like fan websites and also IMDB always can give you a lot of good information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention here as far as background from the movie mm-hmm. is um, the movie is essentially about Andy Dufresne who's gone to prison for he was accused yeah of murdering his wife who was cheating on him with a golf pro yeah right but we come to find out that he actually did not murder them no and that he was wrongfully accused mm-hmm. of murder that he's this innocent man and now he spent like what it was like almost 20 years yeah. in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. Mm-hmm. And um, it just came to me like while watching the movie that this is something that actually happens more commonly than we realize. Yeah. Um, that people are accused of crimes and of murders that they didn't commit and are spending time in jail for those crimes all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to like kind of put some, statistics out there for actual like real life scenarios Mm -hmm. um so um i just took a look at the innocent project which is a group around the u.s who help people who have been wrongfully convicted get out of jail they get exonerated is the word Mm -hmm. um so if you're interested in this um if you're listening and you want to check it out yourself um you can definitely check out the innocent projects online but the innocence project's mission is to free the staggering number of innocent people who remain incarcerated and to begin to reform the system responsible for their unjust imprisonment mm-hmm. so according to their statistics there have been over 2471 
exonerations in the U.S. since 1989. So that's okay. more than basically more than 2,500 people have been out let out of jail because it was proven that they didn't commit a crime. Okay. Okay. Um, and when they added up all of the years that had been served by those people, it added up to over 21,000 years lost in prison for doing time for a crime they didn't commit. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, it also said that some contributing factors to wrongful convictions, 28% of wrongful, wrongful convictions were mistaken identity. Um, 12% was a false confession given to police, like under pressure. Yeah. Um, forensic science problems resulted in 23% of wrongful convictions. And then perjury or a false accusation, like a like a false witness statement, yeah. was 58% oh, goodness. contributing to wrongful convictions. Yeah. And then official misconduct was 54%. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to kind of put out there that although the Shawshank Redemption is a made-up story by, by Stephen King, it is st- still something that is an actual issue and problem in real life as well. Yeah. And it's just something you think about, especially when you see what Andy goes through mm-hmm. to like live life in prison. Yeah. And then also try to get out and not be able to, mm-hmm. right? Because the system was against him Mm -hmm. so um so yeah so that is the background i have for the shawshank redemption got it yeah so with that let's go ahead and jump into characters okay so let's start with andy andy as we put as we said before he is a banker yep he's played by tim robbins Um, and he got, um, like, sentenced for two lifetimes, um, by, like, allegedly killing his wife and the man she cheated on him with, the Mm -hmm. pro golfer. Yes. And so he ends up at Shawshank Penitentiary. Yes. And it's from the very beginning of the movie. He seems like a guy who's like closed off. Yeah. Like he doesn't kind of make friends with anybody right away mm-hmm. as you probably would. Yeah. Um, or would not. Right. Mm-hmm. In prison. Yeah. I think that if that were me, I'd probably like roll the same way. Just mm-hmm. keep to myself. Yeah. Um, and then, but in his day, he does start to make friends. Yeah. With not only the prison mates. Yeah. But also I think the guards start to like him too. Yeah. And then he also makes a lot of changes. Like what yeah. are some of the things that he does? He gets a library fund for the prison library. Mm-hmm. Um, he helps like – the prisoners get education. Yeah, like some of them he helps like graduate from high school. Yeah. Some he helps graduate from college, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like making changes in there. Yeah. Like it's like he goes in there and instead of kind of like sitting around feeling sorry for himself, he actually tries it to make it a little bit of a better place. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is weird because it's a prison. Right. But just get it, I guess. Yeah. And he th- makes friends um, with a group of guys there too. And I think that he starts to kind of like help them change as people as well, didn't you say? Yeah. 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 So. So I think it's also interesting um, that like Andy starts doing like the finances for the guards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of puts him in a position for the warden to like yeah. take advantage of that as well. Mm-hmm. The warden is kind of just stealing money from all these like companies in the prison. Yeah. And since Andy has like that bank know-how. Yeah. Andy is helping him kind of funnel and move that money around mm-hmm. to make the warden rich. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I it's funny to me because we both know while I'm watching the movie, and I'm sure our listeners know, that Andy didn't kill his wife. No. And he didn't kill the other guy. It was just kind of like awful circumstances. Yeah. Right? And like mm-hmm. that he was just happened to be there that night mm-hmm. with a gun. Yeah, like it like weird. did not look good for him. <laughs> did not look good. And the fact that he didn't have the gun, they weren't able to like prove that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But so I think it's funny um how he says in the movie, I had to go to prison to become a crook. Like basically, <laughs> like I had to go to prison to like actually do something to be here right <laughs> yeah, With, and like yeah. helping yeah the warden because like if anyone finds out he's doing this for the warden he would get in trouble too yeah but he doesn't because he's made up this whole other identity of this of another person who's funneling this money so mm-hmm. if it ever gets caught like it would never lead back to him and it would never lead back to the warden mm-hmm. which works out in his favor later yes it does right? um but over the past, like, 20 years, maybe it's been, like, a few years, but he gets this, like, tiny pickaxe, mm-hmm. like a rock mine, miner thing. Yeah, like a rock mining or pickaxe thing. Yes. Yeah. And rock hammer. Rock hammer. That's the word. She's <laughs> saying rock and hammer, but we haven't put it together. Um, but he was writing his name, and then he found that, wait, these walls are, like, super they can break super easily Mm -hmm. so over the past like maybe 18 years he's been digging a hole yeah through the wall through the wall to escape yeah and red played by morgan freeman has helped him like get posters Mm -hmm. of like pinup girls yeah to kind of help cover up the hole even though red has no idea what he's doing like he hasn't told us all Red was just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to get him a poster. Yeah. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, who doesn't love Rita Hayworth? <laughs> who doesn't love Marilyn Monroe? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he, Andy, what it comes down to is Andy is super smart. Mm-hmm. And he's not a criminal in a way of, like, murdering people. Yeah. But he is smart enough to be able to finagle his way out of Shawshank Prison. Yes. Yes. He does all these kinds of things when he does escape. Yeah. And it's just, okay, wow, he just 
Yeah. Went right into the sewer. Right. Exactly. Um, so, but what the thing I like about Andy though, is that like, he's in this awful situation. Yeah. And there's not a lot that he can do about it. And I think that like most people, um, in his situation would probably take it and go towards like the negative. Yeah. You know, like they would say, oh, this is my life now. Kind of like ride that slippery slope downhill. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't seem to do that. Yeah. Like he seems to just say like, this is my situation. And I think he says it near the end of the movie. He says like, I got to get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And he's definitely just been trying to like live this whole time. And I think knowing that he's digging a hole probably helps. Yeah. He's like, I'm digging this hole. I got to say on the positive side, I have right. to deal with the warden. Yeah. And I, I think that people don't like, since they don't know there's the hole. Yeah. They kind of don't understand like maybe the hope that he holds. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think like red's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like hope is a dangerous thing because red can't dig a hole. He <laughs> can't. Because he's not, like, to be honest, like, where Andy is in that prison works out for him. Like, if he was not in a corner cell. Right. He wouldn't have been able to dig a hole. No. So, I mean, fate kind of helped him in that regard. Yeah. To be put into a corner cell or else he wouldn't be able to do what he did. Imagine just being in the middle cell and then he digs a hole and he has to keep digging. Yeah, he's all like, hey, hey, mind if I come on through? <laughs> you know? Continue digging right now. Right. You know, and he just keeps getting posters <laughs> for the others all made yeah. to have a Pullman. Yeah. But I also think about Andy, too. It's like he's a guy who also, like, can kind of, like, reflect on himself. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Because even, like, at near the end when he's he, – when he knows he's about to go, like, and he knows that he hasn't killed his wife. Red knows that he hasn't killed his wife. Yeah. Um. Like, he says to to him, like, like it, I was partially responsible just because of the man that I was. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. yes, maybe I didn't physically kill her, but I am a closed-off person, and yeah. I pushed her away, and and that was my fault. Yeah. And I think that even – I think that that shows, like, even after 20 years of serving this life sentence, like, he thinks about that. And he's yeah. like, like, I loved her. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and even like the place that he sends Red to go find the Obsidian Rock is like where he asked her to marry him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cute. Yeah, well, it's cute, but then it's also just like shows, yeah, that like after all of it, he still did really love her, and like he mm-hmm. and he like self reflects on that. Like I think yeah. that like that's a great thing about Andy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is that, like, he seems like a fair person Mm -hmm. all around. Yeah. And, like, Andy, I could tell that he has been thinking about his wife every day. Like, probably those first two years Mm -hmm. when he kept, like, quiet most of the time. He he might be thinking, like, hey, like, maybe I was, like, the reason. But, like, I didn't physically, like you said, he said he didn't physically kill her but he did it because of his personality because he's like a very close up person so maybe he was just thinking about that the whole time and he's actually like a nice guy Mm -hmm. it's just he's just shy 
Right. And he's just like a person who like there's people out there that don't like really show their emotions. Yeah. You know? And he's just one of those people. But he was able to kind of look back and see how that might have affected his situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why he's a little bit more able to open up to Red, too. Yeah. It's like, you know, this caused this heartache for me before and I don't want it to cause that heartache now because I think Red's somebody that he really cares about yeah. maybe just as much as he cared about his wife. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, but I think that this movie too also shows that even a person like Andy mm-hmm. can be like pushed to a certain point. Yeah. And it's like kind of like, I think how Morgan Freeman talks about like how, like rocks can change, like given like a lot of pressure and time. Yeah. It's like that's kind of how Andy was. Yeah. You know, is that like he got to the point with like prison and the warden where he was like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You thought you could treat me this way and you thought you could do this to me, but guess what? You can't. And now I'm taking your money and your suit and your shoes <laughs> and I'm getting out of here. Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm doing all this stuff for you, but what you don't know is that I have a hole in my room. Yeah. 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 And that I'm going to now go to the bank and, and get all this money. Thank you very much. And I'm out. See ya. Right. right. Forever. Bye bye. Yes. So I, that's what I would have to say about Andy as a character. Yes. I think that, and I think that that's what he's there to kind of show those other inmates too. Yeah. And and like when he talks about after he's been in solitary confinement for a while and they said like, well, what can you, what do you have in there? And he says, I have the music like in my head and in my heart. Mm -hmm. But there's some things that just like can't be taken away from you. Yeah. And like, those are the things that he holds on to. And he, I think that's what he was trying to tell them. Like there's, there's places inside of us that they'll never get to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't take away his hope. Yeah. Can't take away his music. Yeah. Because it's all there Mm -hmm. inside of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Also, let's talk about, he was in solitary confinement for two months. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing, like, right? And I think that's, like, where it really pushed him, especially, like, after they they killed Tommy and then put him in solitary confinement. He was like, this is the final straw, my friends. (laughs) Like, I'm going through that hole. Yeah. Thank you very much. Because he knew he was never going to get any help. Yeah. You know? hmm Does that wrap up Andy? I think so. And I'm sure that we'll talk about him in other ways with other characters and stuff. Yeah. But let's talk about Red, played by Morgan Freeman. Ooh, I also forgot to mention, because we haven't said this in a while, Tim Robbins. Academy Award winner. <gasps> Academy Award, Award winner. Tim Robbins. Was in the movie with Academy Award <laughs> winner Morgan Freeman. Both of them Academy Award winners. Woo! Yes. So for other movies, not these ones. Not this one. Because <laughs> as we know, didn't win any Academy Awards. Yeah. They won Academy Awards for other things. Got but it. here they are in this movie together. So let's talk about Red. How do we feel about Red? I mean, I like Red. I felt like he's been in there for such a long time, like 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he just kind of like keeps to himself. He has his gang of friends that he can trust. He knows that everyone's innocent in <laughs> Shawshank. Um, that's what they say. Yeah, when you I mean, ask, I don't think everyone is. Not everyone is. There's one guy. That's what they say. Uh, everyone's innocent, Shawshank. Right. Um, yeah. So Red, he's a good guy. He like he helps Andy. He's the guy that's like, I can get you anything. Right. You know, and he gets paid for it, like a dollar. Yeah. For a poster. Right. Um, and so I think I again I like Red. Um, he's just a nice guy. He's a nice guy, and I think like you're saying, like he is um like well regarded. Yeah. In prison. Mm-hmm. I think that like maybe the outside world was not fair to him. Yeah. And even though the prison system is also not fair to him because it keeps him in there and doesn't let him out on parole, even though he seems to be a fine person inmate, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem like he causes a lot of trouble per se. Like mm-hmm. you never see the guards like giving him a hard time or anything like that. Yeah. Um like it seems like in prison he's found a place where people do respect him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he kind of thrives on that. Yeah. With his group of friends and then mm-hmm. other people around that institution. And it's like he knows like what the limits are. Like he knows what the P's, P's and Q's are. You know, yeah. he knows like what to do and what not to do. Yeah. He, he just, just kind of roams around. Yeah. He like sticks to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why when Andy does some things, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. But somehow Andy gets away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, would, that, would that happen in real life? Probably not. No, probably not. So, um, but I think that like Andy and Red are like, they're like the exact opposites. Yeah. Right? Whereas like Andy is like this person with the hope and, and things like Red is someone who comes from like a different background who mm-hmm. thinks that having yeah. things like hope is a dangerous thing because yeah. those things have never worked for him, mm-hmm. you know? And then yeah. like Andy's the person who kind of shows them that it is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed like their friendship together. Mm-hmm. They're very close friends. Yes. You know, Red is like, yeah, let me give you advice. But Andy's like, yeah, no. And, he still gets what he wants. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I see you. Yeah. Stephen King. Yeah. But I love, like, their respect for each other. Yeah. And I love that even when Tim Robbins – and I think, like, too, like, Andy, like, doesn't want to get Red in trouble. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't tell him about the hole in as well. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he knows that he has to make sure that Red knows nothing about it so that nothing can happen to him. Yeah. So that at some time, he'll be able to get out of prison. hmm And he'll be able to, like, help him outside. Yeah. And that's why he, like, directs him to, like, go to the tree. hmm And get the envelope that has the money and kind of, like, gives him clues as to where to find Andy. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. 
it's cute, but it's also just like so like heartfelt. You're just so happy. Yeah. At the end when they finally get to see each other and they walk yeah. towards each other on the beach. I don't know why I keep saying cute, but it is heartfelt. <laughs> it yeah. is. Cute's a hard word to use for this movie. It's like, why am I saying cute? <laughs> I don't know if anything can be called really like cute in this movie. Heartfelt. Right. It's heartfelt. It's heartfelt. And I read too that like they actually weren't going to have a scene showing the two of them meeting at the end. Really? Yeah. Like Frank Darabont wanted to like cut it on the bus when he's like, I hope I get to see my friend. But then like the studio was like, no, 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 my friend. Like those two <laughs> people have to see each other to like closure for everybody. Yeah. And as much as I get where Frank Darabont was going and he probably could have cut it there and we all would have known mm-hmm. that they would have seen each other. Yeah. Just like the look on Andy's face. When he finally gets to the beach and like the look on Red's face when he finally yeah. gets to the beach and then they hug. I mean, that's just. It's like, don't make me cry. Yeah. That's like exactly what we need after this movie. After this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Because I know at one point I was like, you were like, this is a long movie. And I was like, I know, but it's going to be worth it. <laughs> yeah. And you were like. And I was like, it's going to start to get good. And you're all good because it's been an hour and a half of bad things happening constantly. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I know. But again, it's going to be worth it. And was it? It was. Yes. So so I think um, for the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've, we, we've talked about that pretty well. Yes. I think like even Tim Robbins said that he feels that this movie is about like – um like this platonic like relationship like this platonic like love story between these two guys yeah because they end mm-hmm. up like really just like caring for each other yeah and i would have to agree me too like it's totally wonderful and heartfelt yeah you know mm-hmm. and i think that everyone has someone in their lives like that mm-hmm. and that's why you can kind of like relate to it yeah that like someone who you'd spend time in prison with <laughs> and you'd say like, when we get out, we're going to be there together. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. Yes. They're your your person. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead then and talk about um, – why don't we talk about Haywood first? Just okay. a real quick, like, let's talk about Haywood, and then we can talk about Brooks. We'll talk about the, the two other, like, kind of, like, big inmates, and yeah. then we can go into – or and Tommy as well. And then we can talk about the not so nice people. Got it. Um, so like Haywood is just um again, he's another inmate. Yeah. We don't know why he's there. Mm-hmm. But he seems he's seems kind of like almost like if there needed to be a comic relief. There's Haywood. There's Haywood. Right. Yeah. And um he was kind of um like a person who Again, Andy, like, he kind of doesn't believe how Andy is, but Andy starts to kind of, like, turn him around a little bit, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Haywood is just kind of, like, there's there's Sky, and he was like, I'll make fun of someone, but I can be nice sometimes. Right. Like, he's a guy who's, like, he likes to just, like, poke fun around at people. Yeah. Um, but then you also see that he kind of cares as well. Mm-hmm. Like when Brooks is able to get out, like he goes to like congratulate him. Mm-hmm. And then when Brooks 
passes away. Yeah. Like you can see that there's sadness there too, Mm -hmm. that he really cared about him. Yeah. And then also with him, you see like when Andy gets them the beer, like he tries to give him one. And when he gets out of solitary confinement, like he says, uh, like, let's get him a gift. Like that's the least that we could do Mm -hmm. because he already got us beer, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I like him, like when he's like going through the books (laughs) and like, he's talking about like the Count of Monte Cristo (laughs) and, um, I like him when he's like in the library when it finally gets built and he's like playing the Hank Williams music of singing along, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's played, I didn't say this, he's played by William Sadler and he's been in a whole bunch of movies. Um, definitely like the nineties and beyond. Yeah. Um, I remember him more specifically. He played death in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. (laughs) That's where I remember him from the most, but he's been in a whole bunch of stuff. He's like a, he's a big character actor. Yeah. Yeah. But he does a really good job in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about, let's talk about Brooks. Brooks. Played by James Whitmore. So sad. Been around forever. So, um, Brooks is just this older inmate. He's been there for how long? Um, like 50 years. Yeah. So basically he's been there majority of his life. Yeah. Like more than like, I mean, if you, 50 years and he looks older right yeah so he was probably maybe like 20 when he got in there yeah and has been in there ever since mm-hmm. and as much as they don't say what he did i guess in the book they do say that he he ended up murdering his family yeah so does that make him a great person not really but does it seem like maybe he's changed a little bit since he's been in prison yes because he seems more of like a gentle kind man Mm-hmm. in the prison yeah but maybe that's what happens like again like over time mm-hmm. um and you just kind of reflect and be like oh, yeah i should be nicer and kind of being like an elderly person yeah you know mm-hmm. um but he's the guy who works the library yes and it seems like he's friends with red because not only does red like him as a person but also like he kind of helps red move things around prison yeah and then also he has a little friend Jake. Yeah, Jake. And what is Jake? He's a crow or a bird. Yes, he's a bird. And he finds Jake when he's little. Yeah. He's been injured. Mm -hmm. But he ends up keeping him. He keeps him. And it's so sad when Brooke gets let out. Mm -hmm. He goes, bye-bye, Jake, and puts him through the window. And it's like, oh, my gosh. That's so sad. That's a rough one. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that that part with Brooks is, like, again, just one of the most heart-wrenching parts of the movie. Yeah. Because I think, like, even before he goes out of prison, they let him out on parole. Like, Morgan Freeman or Red, um, like, tries to explain it to the guys, like, he doesn't want to go. Yeah. Because he's been institutionalized. Like, Mm -hmm. this prison is his whole world. It's all he's known. Like, there's there's been nothing else for him. So to go to the outside world, that's like starting over again when you're like 60 or 70. Yeah. And probably in those days, because this is 19, 
47, right? Yeah. In those days, that was like a hard, that had been a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Especially then add on top of it, you're an ex-convict and it's hard to get a job Mm -hmm. and it's hard to probably form relationships because people find you're you're an ex-convict back in those days and they probably don't want to socialize with you as much right? yeah and like like he said and like his voiceover just like seeing what happened to brooks he's like i didn't know about cars when i was little i saw one yeah and now they're everywhere and i don't know how to deal with them right so it just like the outside world wasn't a place for him anymore yeah and i think that that like really speaks to like the effects that prison has on people. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why, like, nowadays people are talking about, like, what does it really mean to be, like, to reform people in prison? Yeah. Like, what is that really supposed to look like when, like, we have people that are staying in there for these extended periods of time? Yeah. And then we're letting them out without, like, any, like, sort of support mm-hmm. or care to, like, rebuild life again yeah you know i think that that's kind of like what brooks represents in this movie yeah is like the um like downside to that system yeah and maybe the things that Mm -hmm. need to be changed about it yeah you know and i think that even red kind of experiences that near the end right yeah because even he kind of experiences what brooks did because he was in there for 40 years Mm mm-hmm And he's kind of like, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. And he gets the same apartment that Brooks did. Yeah. And uh, there is a carving that says Brooks was here. And then at the end when Red leaves to visit, uh, to go with Andy, he also carves in Red was also here. Yeah. Red was here too. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that end part, it gets real ominous. You're like, please let this not be a Brooks situation because it is same exact stuff but i yeah but i think that he had the hope yeah right because andy gave him like that hope and he had that promise so andy mm-hmm. gave him something to kind of bricks had nothing um, i yeah. mean he could have brought jake but the thing the police would be like you had a crow <laughs> right well and like and that's so sad too when he's at the park and he's feeding the birds he's like sometimes yeah. i feel like jake will come but he didn't. But he never does. It's like, oh, goodness, the worst. So, um, yes. So yeah. that part, I think it really hits hard with people. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you put yourself in that position, it would be so rough. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so that is Brooks, James Whitmore. Stellar job, my friend. Thank you for making me cry. I know. She did. She bawled like a baby. I did. Oh, my goodness. Um, And then we have Tommy. Um, He's, like, kind of just an added character. Yeah. He's, like, a young guy who comes Mm -hmm. in in, like, early 60s. Yeah. And he's there. He's stolen some TVs. He has a wife and a daughter. Yeah. And so now that he's there and he has his wife and now he has his daughter, he's like, I need to do better. And Andy ends up like giving him, like helping him get his GED. Yeah. Um, so hopefully when he gets out, because he only has a very short sentence. He's like two years. Yeah. And so he's like, when he gets out, he like wants to make better choices. Mm-hmm. And now he has that like high school degree to kind of help him with that. Yes. Um, but right before 
he was like uh, supposed to get let out. The warden is like, meet me outside and right. let's talk. Right. So Tommy talks with him. Warden gets the details, and then the warden leaves, and Tommy gets uh, shot. Right, because Tommy knew the true story yeah. of Andy's story, mm-hmm. and he told Andy. And when the warden found out, he was afraid to lose Andy because he knew that if he lost Andy, he would, one, lose this person who's helping him get his money. Yeah. But, two, it might expose him to also being arrested himself. Yeah. So he knew that he had to get rid of Tommy. Mm-hmm. And that was also just as sad as Brooks because, like, he, you had this young guy who was, like, kind of, you know, he was ready to, like, make better choices of full yeah. promise. Mm-hmm. And then just shy of getting out, gets killed. And it's like, oh, goodness gracious. I know. Like, once again, like, like we could tell him, Mark, all the bad things that happened in this movie. It would be quite large. It would be. It's so, like, oh, goodness, not again. Yeah. And that guy, um, that Tommy was played by Gil Bellows. Again, that was supposed to be Brad Pitt. Yeah. But it ended up being Gil Bellows, who I think most people listening would know from the show, Allie McBeal. <laughs> which was a big show in the 90s. And yeah. Bellows was like the love interest in that. <laughs> yeah. And then he now he was in The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. So um, that – that and, and also I think Tommy also is the catalyst for Andy. Like after he dies, that's when Andy's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Like after this, I cannot any longer – with all of this. This is Angie's like 20th year in prison. Right. And Tommy just died. Yeah. And it's like, oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. He just got out of two months confinement. Yeah. And it's like, oh, goodness. Yeah. He's like, I got to get out of here right now. Yeah. So that's, that's Tommy. I would say that's Tommy. So that brings us to the not so fun people. Um, we're just going to talk about two of these guys. Um, Warden Norton, played by Bob Gunton. Again, he's been in a bunch of movies as well. Yeah. Um, checked not an Academy Award winner, but I'm sure he could be because he did a really great job in this movie. He did. As being a bad guy. But he was a bad guy. So. Yeah. So the warden, though, he presents himself as like, I'm your friend. But he is not anybody's friend. He steals money from the prison to make himself richer, which is illegal, by the way. Um, and he's kind of forcing Andy to stay in prison. Yeah. And he's also, like, letting the guards just beat up these men. Yeah. Right? Like, the guards have just, like, free reign yeah. to do whatever they want to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, inhumane acts. All over the place. Yeah. Kind of turns a blind eye to that. And I would say that he even probably welcomes it because mm-hmm. he's not a good person. Yeah. And like even like I think it shows too the kind of person he is because like um, when Andy is like, I'm going to ask for funds for the library. And he's like, I can't give you those funds. And um, he says, well, I'm going to write the congressman and see if he'll give me funds for the library. And he says like the only funds a prison needs is more walls and more bars. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of like how he feels. Like he has no respect for really anyone ever. Not really. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And like he's even taking bribes from like other companies in the town. Mm -hmm. 
because he puts the prisoners to work for like basically free labor. Mm -hmm. But then that's starting to take away jobs from the other people in the town. Yeah. And then that's why the guy gives him a pie with the money in it. Cause mm -hmm. he's like a contractor and he's like, look, I need work. So you need to tell these people that your prisoners are busy because I need this job. Mm -hmm. And so the guy gives him money. So he's getting money all over the place. Yeah. And he's threatening people, hurting people and killing people. Yeah. So it's like this person who's supposed to be like, the person overlooking the criminals is actually a criminal. Criminal himself. And probably even worse than than some, not all. Yeah. But some of the people that are in there. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's eviler than Auntie. He is because Andy's helping him, yeah. but Andy knows. Yeah, but Andy did not commit a crime. He when, did not when he first got in there. He did not. Yeah. So. Um, and he's helping the warden, I think, just to kind of, like, stay alive. He is, probably. So, um, so I mean, we really don't have too much to say about that guy, because all we can say is he's just, like, pure evil. Yeah. But Andy gets back at him. Mm-hmm. By, by stealing his clothes. His shoes. His shoes. And getting out of there. Yeah. So, yeah, warden, what yeah. you gonna do now? What are you going to do? And I did look it up. And I think that like Andy leaves with like over $300,000. <laughs> and in today's money, it's over $2 million. Like so he got out at like 1966. Yeah. $300,000 in today's money would be over $2 million. <gasps> oh, my God. That's yeah. a lot of money. Yes. So Andy Vamoost with millions of dollars <laughs> in 1966. Yeah. So if I were the warden, I'd be upset too. But he doesn't make it that far because Andy tells on him mm -hmm. to the paper. Yeah. And the warden is found out. And he doesn't even want to go to prison. Nope. Because he knows how awful it is. Yeah. So he does not make it there. Nope. And then he also has a um, guard there who's also the most awfulest named Captain Hadley. And he's played by Clancy Brown. And I have seen Clancy Brown in some other things. Let me tell you, he is a good bad guy. Yeah. Just the evilest. Okay. So we know Captain Hadley is mm -hmm. only in it for himself. Yeah. Um, helps the warden do his bad deeds. Mm -hmm. He's beat the one who shot Tommy. Yeah, he shot Tommy. Um, he beat up the new prisoner at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're not going to use his awful name that they gave him. Um, and then he also was like about ready to kill Andy. Yeah. Him off the roof talking about his investments before Andy talks him off of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's just in there like, cause he, I think again, is like, he's a person who's just like um, within himself, not a good person. Yeah. And he's kind of using that person to like make those things. Okay. Yeah. And they're not. They're not okay. Yeah, like totally inhumane person. Yeah. So, um, again, we don't have to spend too much time on the bad people. No, let's not. Let's, Thank you. Yeah, so those are the characters. Those yeah. are the main ones. Those are the big ones. Mm -hmm. um, so, with that, let's go to favorite part, worst part. Favorite part, worst part. So, what was your – let's go with – let's start with – I'm sorry. Let's go with worst part first okay. just to get it out of the way. And then we'll talk about our favorite part to make it, like, more of a happier 
ending to this section. <laughs> okay. Okay. So worst part. Uh, my worst part is the whole Brooks after um, getting out of jail. That whole part. Worst part. Yeah. I did not like it. I thought it was sad. I did not mm. like Jake just flying away and him just hoping for Jake to come back. I didn't like that. It's like, oh, gosh. Yes. So sad. That was my worst part, too. Is I Yeah. That whole, like, that whole Brooks monologue, that over voiceover is just heartbreaking. So good. Like, I've seen it a million times and still every time I watch it, yeah. it's like my insides just ache. Crumble up. Yes. It's like, oh, goodness. Why? Why? Yes. yes. Like it's I say, Stephen King is a good writer. Yes. Well, and, and Frank Darabont also did, I think, the screenwriting as well. Yeah. So they did a good job. Good job for you. And then also Tommy yeah. getting shot was also like my second worst part. I think those two together mm-hmm. were both equally heartbreaking. Yeah. Again, because like Tommy was ready to be like a good person and a, a different person and he didn't get that opportunity. Plus he has a daughter. Yeah. Like a baby daughter. Yeah. And like he was he he knew about Andy and he was trying to help Andy. I mean, yeah. that was just like that was all, all oh, that was so hard. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we are both on the same page on both of those things. Yes. So let's talk about favorite part. My favorite part is the ending. And it's not because it's the ending. It's because it was a cute not a cute. Why did heartfelt? It's heartfelt. Yeah. I'm saying cute in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> um heartfelt like, oh my god, they saw each other again and they're gonna live in the beach with a boat and it's gonna be oh my god. Ah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have I think I agree with you. Like, I like that part, of course. Like, it's yeah. just, like, again, like, heartwarming. Like, gosh, they finally made it. They're finally there. It's almost like a relief yeah. that they see each other. Yeah. Um, I have kind of, I guess, an interesting – I have two favorite parts. My first favorite part is the scene when he gets the guys the beer. Yeah. Um, And they're all sitting around drinking the beer. And then Andy has, like, a look on his face. Like, he's just happy. And he doesn't even drink any of the beer. Yeah. Um, but he's just happy to like have done that for somebody else mm-hmm. and he's just happy to kind of feel normal for a minute, like just sitting on a roof drinking beers with people. Yeah. Like, I just feel like it says a lot about Andy mm-hmm. and I think that like for me, like I know that feeling of like doing something for someone and it makes them feel good. So it makes you feel good, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I just like really appreciate just like that scene and the look on his face. Like he's just so happy. Yeah. So, um, that would be my favorite, my first favorite part. Yeah. Um, my second favorite part. And again, like this movie is like chock full of quotable things. Like Mm -hmm. you could quote this movie all day long for just about anything. Yeah. Like, like get busy living, get busy day. All, like that's great, yeah. right? And like mm-hmm. I even love the part where he talks about like the Pacific Ocean has no memory. Like I want to go there. I mean, like the hope. Like having you ever like music inside of you. They can't. I mean, we could go on for days. Hope is a good thing. Okay. Maybe the best of things. I mean, no good thing ever dies. Right. All quotable. Yeah. But, um, my favorite scene 
And probably one of my favorite quotes in this whole movie, and it's long and huge. But after Andy escapes and um, Red's talking about him leaving, he says, sometimes it makes me sad, though, Andy being gone. I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. But still, the place you live in is that much more drab and empty that they're gone. I guess I just miss my friend. And I think that there's sometimes in life when we have like relationships yeah. that we lose, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And like we feel like that. And I think that's a great way to put it. And so I just really appreciate yeah. that part. And of course, like Morgan or Freeman has like the best voice in the world. Yeah. And so him reading that makes it feel like even more true. It's like so powerful. Than me reading it right now. Yeah. So um that is also my second favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, do I recasted. You recasted. I did. Okay, so let's go into if this movie were made today. I think just to start, if this movie were made today, I don't really think that they'd have to change. Like, I mean, there wasn't anything that jumped out going like, oh, man, they couldn't put that in a movie today. No. Because I feel like it's giving awareness. Right. right. Like, I feel like it's of a certain time period. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that all, all of the, like, maybe inappropriate things – are making a point. Yeah. Like they're not there because they're crude or because like it was the nineties as Kevin Thornton would say. It's yeah. like, it's like trying to show mm-hmm. those things yeah. for a purpose. Yeah. So I don't think that we would need to like discuss like the cigarette smoking or the whatever in no. this movie. Um, Cause it all makes sense. With the time period. Yes. And I think with what they're trying to convey yeah. in the movie. So okay. let's go. Let's just go into recasting. Okay. Okay. So Andy, hit me with it. Justin Hartley. Justin Hartley. Wow. I thought it would be a change for Justin. I mean, he has been in dramatic stuff, but this is just even more dramatic. Yeah. I feel like it would be a big jump for him. Yeah, because he's on This Is Us. Mm-hmm. He plays Kevin. Yeah, um, but I think like even in the movies he has made since This Is Us started, like not too many like serious dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Okay. I'll take it. It's just like a change, you know. Yeah. It's like it would be like oh Justin Hartley playing Andy weird. And to be like, honest, should be good. The beginning of This Is Us, I was a little unsure. About him, but as it's gone on, I've appreciated his acting more and more. Yeah. So I I could be on board for that. Okay. <laughs> for Andy, I chose James McAvoy. Who is that? He was in the X-Men. He played like a young Xavier, you know, the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, he was also in our favorite, Penelope. <gasps> he guy. was the guy who loves Penelope. That guy. Yes, that guy. I thought he would like a great Andy. Yeah. I love him in everything he does. <laughs> like every movie he makes, I I love. Yeah. And he's done a lot of dramatic roles. This is right up his alley. And that is why I've chosen James McBoy. 
Got it. She just made her point real fast and yes. time. She's like, did it? Yes. Done. Thank okay. you for coming to my dead duck. Uh, so, um, yes. So that would be our Andy's. I think both good choices. Yes. How about red? I chose Will Smith. Will Smith. I could see it for these, these times. Yeah. Thank you. For today casting. 100%. Um, and especially like he's coming off like King Richard. Yeah. You know, and they're talking about Academy Award winner there, maybe, possibly. Yeah. So I could see it. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't love Will Smith? Who doesn't? Um, I picked Idris Elba. Ooh. Because I love Idris Elba. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like once again, I love everything he's into. He's not only a great dramatic actor. He's a funny actor, but I could definitely see him mm-hmm. in the role of Red. Yeah. And especially with James McAvoy. Like, the two of them, yes, they're both British, but, like, let's make it work. It can make work. Make it work. Yes. Thank you. But Idris Elba, yes. Not only is <laughs> a great actor, but he's also nice to look at. <laughs> so, with that being said... Who did you cast as? Let's go with Haywood. I did chose. Yeah. Okay. I chose Daniel Craig. Oh, Daniel Craig for Haywood. <laughs> that feels like a smaller part for Daniel Craig. But it would be like he just came out, came off of um, James Bond. James Bond. Sure. That's the name. I thought it was Justin or something. It no. was very far yeah, off. We haven't watched a lot of James Bond movies in this house. No, but, but we will. I saw him in Knives Out, oh. and he was good. Have not seen Knives Out yet. It's good. I won't spoil it because it's a murder okay. mystery. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, I feel like it would be good. It would be like unsurprising role for everyone to be like, "Whoa, yeah. Daniel Craig as a smaller role." Yeah. What? We'll take it. Thank you. Nice. Okay. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I picked, I switched it up a little bit. I picked Michael B. Jordan. Okay. Because I kind of feel like he would be good Mm -hmm. um, as like kind of like I could see him playing that same kind of like doesn't care, is a little goofy, but is also very serious and caring. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. So I picked Michael B. Jordan for Haywood. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought he would be a good kind of play against, like, James McAvoy and Idris Elba. Yeah. Yeah. How about Brooks? This is a little cameo. I chose Bob Gunnan. Gunton? Gunton. Gunton. Who played Warden in the 1994. You know, I think that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, I think it would be kind of cool because it's kind of like you see him in the, the original movie and then you kind of like see him in this like juxtaposed position yeah. as an inmate in this movie. Yeah. And kind of like, you know. See like, how he like acts it out. Yeah. And how maybe it would have been had he gone to prison. Yeah. If he were the warden. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. I picked Ian McKellen. Who's that? He is um, an older, again, British actor. I guess I was like on the British actor train while I was doing this. Hello, but he's UK. been in like the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he was also in X-Men. Like he was Magneto. 
So I guess I was also on an X-Men train as well. So anyways, um, I picked him. He's like, you know, well-established actor. Yeah. Kind of like how James Whitmore was. Mm-hmm. He Like people love him. People adore him. Yeah. So I thought that he would play a good Brooks. Okay. Um, how about Tommy? Let's say it together. Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. <laughs> we both picked him. We just want to put him in every movie. And to be honest, I'm not like the biggest Timothy Chalamet fan. Me neither. But here we are. We've talked about him on almost every podcast we've done. <laughs> so, yeah. Go go Timothy. Go Timothy. But like when you see Gil Bellows and you go, who would it cast now? Like he's just the first person who comes to mind. When I saw him, I'm like, oh, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Like he has the vibes. Yeah. He has the Tommy vibes. And again, it's kind of a smaller role for Timothy Chalamet. But I think that Timothy Chalamet would be for it because I just watched Don't Look Up. Yeah. And he played a really small part in that movie. Like he's in the last like 15 minutes of that movie. Yeah. So um, I think that he would be down to, especially if it's a movie like this. Yeah. To play Tommy. Mm -hmm. So I go us (laughs) on that one. Same line length. How about The Warden? I chose Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. I love Jeff Daniels. Like, I recently saw him in a movie that my school show yeah. shown. Yeah. I named my first car after him. <laughs> really? The Jeff Daniels. That's what it was called. Uh, like when you go places, like get in the Jeff Daniels. We're leaving. <laughs> hey, that's how much I like him. <laughs> so I bet he would be good. Yeah, because he doesn't really play a lot of like bad people parts a lot. No. But I could like let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Because he has got range. He does. He goes from Dumb and Dumber to Gettysburg. Like, if who can do that? Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Put that on a shirt. So, Dumb and Dumber to, to Gettysburg. Who can do that? Jeff Daniels. Yes. Um, I picked J.K. Simmons, who you probably – I know him from, like, the movie Juno, which is also in the movie box. Yeah. Um, or he's been in a whole bunch of stuff. He's in Spider-Man. He was like the editor of the paper of Spider-Man. Um, yeah. He, he's he been in a whole bunch of stuff, but um, you would probably know him from the farmer's commercials as the guy who always like, this bad thing happened. Um, you know? No. You don't? <laughs> oh, well, he's in the farmer's commercials, but he's also just like a really great actor. Yeah. And I think that he would make it really good. Like he's played bad guys before. Mm-hmm. I could see him playing bad guys. I also think one. I know who you're talking about. Like the guy that's always out for Spider-Man. Yeah. That guy. Got yeah, it. That's the one. I have imaged in my head. Yes. Just wait Got till it. you see him in, like, Juno. He's, like, endearing. Okay. So <laughs> that's why I like him. Yeah. Um, Captain Hadley. Let's recast it. Terry Crews. Terry Crews. That would be really interesting. Like, it would just be yeah. a good, like, I mean, because I think Terry Crews has kind of, like, gone towards the... Comedy side? Like comedy side. So to see this but would be. He has played a cop. Yeah. On and Andrew and Brooklyn Nine. But Andrew Brower did it. Brower. And Andre Brower. <laughs> Andre Brower. Yes. Like Andre Brower did it. You're right. I love that guy too. Um, Here's one of my. He was, it was in between Will and Smith and him for Red. But I chose okay. Will Smith in the end. Okay. I think that was a good choice. Thank you. Um, my Captain Hanley look. <laughs> this is what I have to say. I 
this man is so evil. Yes. That it was hard to recast a person. Yeah. And I just saw Clancy Brown, the guy who played in the original. Just yeah. saw Clancy Brown in the new Dexter season. Yeah. And he was just as evil and awful. And so I was like, you know what? Just going to keep it. He's going to be in Shawshank <laughs> then. He's going to be in Shawshank now. And he's going to play that same awful person. So I just picked Clancy Brown as Captain Hadley. God. I did not recast. I was like, let's bring him back. <laughs> bring him back. Yeah. Thank you very because much. Because I just don't want to put anyone else in that role. Yeah. So he was. Uh, that was his. And it's still his in my book. <laughs> so those are our recasts. Um, let's go ahead and we'll go on to, would you show this to your kids? Yes. Yes. I would. Maybe at a later time though. Not like, like when, maybe when they're like 15. I know. Cause there was like a couple times where I was like, maybe don't look at this part or maybe just shield your eyes a little bit. Shield, shield your eyes a little bit. And like, there were sometimes you just did it on your own. <laughs> yeah. Cause there was. A lot. There was a lot. Yeah. And it's not like you did a bad like choice of letting me watch this at 13. Maybe about expected. But, you know, um, I thought it would be better if they watched it later. Even sure. though it is a good movie and I think they should watch it. Yeah. And I, you know, I watched it when I was like, when it first came out, I was like 12, 13. Yeah. Um, so I was like around your age. But, um, and it didn't like, I guess I was used to watching movies because I just love movies. I watch all kinds of movies. Yeah. It didn't really phase me too much. But I think that since I've watched it, I've watched it like on TV. And mm -hmm. of course, a lot of those things get cut out. So, yeah. um, you know, I think my mind kind of forgets. And then we watch it and go, oh, wow, that was a little bit harsher than I realized. I did it on my own one time in my Yeah. You're like, and this is done. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and you, yeah. you even said like, this has been an hour and a half of all bad things. <laughs> So I'm good that it kind of turned it around in the yeah. end. Yeah. Okay. So let's give it your G-rated review. I'm going to give it a 4.5. 4 4.5. 4.5. And the reason is oh, there's some inappropriate parts and sometimes it just made me sad. Yeah. I get it. But that's what made it a good movie, but I'm docking five points. But half a point. A half a point. Yeah. So 4.5 Gs out of 5 Gs. Yes. That is the official rating for Shawshank Redemption. Thank you very, <laughs> thank you very much. I'll take it and I agree. Like, I I mean, I give it 5 Ms if I had to give it one. Yeah. But I understand your 4.5 Gs. That makes sense. It got me sad. It made me sad. And there was inappropriate parts in it. Sure. Okay. Well. With that being said, I think it is now time to do the movie box. So let's go ahead and pull a new movie out of the movie box. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Okay. And we're going to see if maybe we find a little something happier or something a little more. Knowing us, it's going to be like a really raunchy comedy. Yeah. The, <laughs> like the way that the, the uh, scales go back and forth on this thing is, is kind of crazy. Okay. Like we get a dramatic movie and we get some okay. comedy and then it's back to a yes. dramatic movie. So go ahead and pick a title. Ooh, ooh, what is it? 500 Days of Summer. Ooh, 500 Days of Summer. You're going to love it. Is it a comedy movie? It's mm, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but it has Zoe Deschanel, <gasps> who I know is your favorite, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <gasps> and we're going to have a very interesting conversation about who you think the real bad guy is in that movie. Got it. 
So wait till next week. It's going to be a good one. It is. So with that being said, um, please join us next week for 500 days of summer. And we hope that you remember when it comes to movies, listen listen to to your your mother. mother.